Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. In today's episode, we talk to Julio Maldonado from Texas. We will learn about him living and growing up in Texas and how he went to Texas A&M and is now working at Qualtrics. We will delve into what the DACA process is and how that goes by and how do you apply. Thank you for tuning in to another wonderful episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed making it. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. Thank you so much for our audience, to our viewers and listeners. This is a Zoom interview. And we also have the audio version for those who are interested in listening to in the car or at your workout or wherever you actually want. Today's, we have a special guest. His name is Julio Maldonado. He is from Harlington, Texas, and he went to Texas A&M. Currently, he's working at Qualtrics over in Portland, or is it Seattle, Julio? Seattle. Seattle. Okay, so he's working at Seattle, and I'm going to hand it over to Julio so he can introduce himself and quickly tell us who he is and what he is doing. Yeah, Lazaro, thank you so much for having me. No problem. I am a, a full-stack client-facing software engineer at Qualtrics. Uh, that means that I communicate with the clients uh, very, very often, which some software engineers don't get to do. And I get to work on code from uh, the front end to the back end to databases, pretty much everything. I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley, Harlingen, Texas specifically. And I went to Texas A&M University where I ended up graduating with a computer science degree. And I'm now living in Seattle. Okay, awesome. And uh, earlier we were talking about the weather in Seattle and how it's it's not sunny anymore and you're kind of coping with it and you're having an interesting situation there. You mentioned to me that for the last, what, 60 days or so, you didn't have 60 days of sun or or something along those lines, correct? Yeah, something like a sunny day scientifically is where a day has like four hours of sunlight something like that right yeah and we didn't have a sunny day for like 60 days it was it was some some record that we beat which was very very sad uh okay just all so much cloud so much sun um so much rain i mean it's uh it's something that takes some getting used to yeah, I'm in San Diego, California, so I, I it's pretty much sunny every single day of the year. There are those that it's a little cloudy for a couple hours. It might rain every so often, but it's nothing compared to probably Harlington, Texas, where you get those torrential rains and or the cloudiness and the rainy season over in Seattle. So definitely do not have that problem over here. You don't have any <laughs> issues with, with no sun. So. I'm safe on my end, and I, you know, That's awesome. don't, don't envy you on that aspect. But you know, <laughs> you, you're working with Qualtrics, and you went to Texas A&M. You decided to go ahead and choose computer science. Why did you select computer science, and how did you yeah. find out about engineering in the first place? Yeah, so I I have only been coding for about three years now, and I ended up finding out about computer science after changing my major a couple of times. Uh, So I ended up as a computer science major. And when I uh, had applied to Qualtrics, I really only knew that they were a software company. So, you know, I want to work in software and I ended up getting the internship, which led to a full-time offer. 
Okay, awesome, awesome. How, um, how did you how did you end up getting the internship? And and I'm asking this because you and I had a conversation earlier, and you mentioned to me that over in uh, Texas, you never actually left the certain area because of the legal status that you have. Yeah. So the Rio Grande Valley, um, you can't, you can't really leave it. Um, if you, if you don't have uh, papers. Right. And so before I had DACA, I, I was not able to get out of the Rio Grande Valley into Texas or into any other state and I couldn't go to Mexico because I wouldn't be able to come back. So when I had finally got in DACA and I went to Texas A&M University, which was my first time outside of the Valley, it was a brand new world. A&M, I'd never even been to a university. Uh, But when I had been applying to internships, I got on Glassdoor and I had like eight cities in mind that I wanted to work in. It was like Austin, Dallas, Houston, Seattle, and a few more, but most of them in Texas. But I applied to pretty much every single open position on there and Quadrix happened to get back to me. Okay, when, when you got that email or phone call from Quadrix, what did you think? Yeah. Well, at the time, I remember I had a couple of interviews lined up and Qualtrics uh, was known on the Glassdoor reviews, I remember, for having a very high hiring bar. And I honestly kind of just dismissed it. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't think I'd get an offer uh, given all of the, these reviews and how hard they say it is to get an offer from here. But I ended up getting one and it's, it's a really incredible place to be for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Congratulations on that uh, on that offer that you received. What do you think set you apart, and what do you think allowed you to actually be considered to even be interviewed at Qualtrics? Yeah, you know this is a very uh, difficult topic because so many people say your your resume has to have this or that, and you know all of this stuff. But now that I've kind of been on the other side, where I get to interview people here at Qualtrics. I've noticed that some places will say that they require a 3.5 GPA, but if you if you have uh, like two years of working experience while doing college and your GPA is a 3.2, 3.1, that that's completely okay. That's you know that's a really wonderful piece of advice there because a lot of students think that if they don't have a 3.5 minimum GPA and they've never had, uh, and, and they do have work experience, they don't think about even applying. So you're saying that yeah. you can have a 3.0, 3.1, 3.2, and still have some sort of experience because you've either been on a team or either actually had hands-on on a project, had opportunities of actually volunteering at some other corporation, that is value added. And you're saying exactly. that that actually counts a lot and that you sometimes the recruiters can oversee or make an exception on the GPA requirement, correct? Exactly, because the thing is, a high GPA, it really only shows that you can work hard at something, right? right. But if you can show that I can work hard at many things, Right. and do well in all of them, yeah. that goes 
just as far, if not further. Yeah. Okay. But for me specifically, when, when I had applied, because I, once again, I've only been coding for, for three years. I got the internship after about a year of, of actual coding experience. And I thought that I needed to get all of this stuff on my resume. So for me specifically, I had, was working three different jobs pretty much as soon as I started coding, just trying to learn everything. So I got a job as a, a peer tutor, which is a, a tutor at, uh, for computer science at, at Texas A&M. Okay. And I was tutoring classes that I had just taken. So that was very fun and very, actually very good to keep everything in my mind. And I was also a resident advisor where I got to mentor students. And I was also working at a local uh, software engineering company uh, working on mobile apps. So mobile. any particular mobile app that might be in the app store that you actually touched and had something to do with? It was a uh, private, uh, private project, so I can't say. Oh, you cannot but, say, okay. Cannot yeah, say. but I, I, don't, I don't think it's live yet. Okay, okay, um, but, but it, it will be live at some point. I think so. so okay, awesome. So for me, I, I decided to just try to take on as many things as I could because I had such little time in computer science. Okay. And okay. for other students who are barely getting into it, uh, late in college or early in college, I would recommend taking on projects just to show that ambition to want to learn. You don't have to work three jobs, but working on little projects, I think goes a long way. Did you yourself have uh, some sort of YouTube channel or did you load videos on the hub of something about projects that you were actually working on before or no? Well, on GitHub, I had some projects, yes. And then further along, I made a personal website. So on that personal website, I have pretty much all the projects that I've worked on. And I think that also shows recruiters that, hey, I can make a nice little website that showcases my past. And I have a past to display. On that uh, website, is it your own personal website that you pay a server? Or are you using Wix? Are you using WordPress? Can you kind of talk to us about that? Yeah, I made it pretty much from scratch and I'm hosting it on Google domains. I think the domain I have is juliomaldonado.com, which thankfully isn't too popular. So it's only like $10 a year, okay, which so is a you little are, cheaper. There, there is a membership that you paid to and it's not one of those free WordPress, free websites that you tack on uh, the actual WordPress or Wix or, or anything like that, correct? It's actually your own name julio.maldonado and you can say .com or whatever you want, correct? Yeah, and you can host it on GitHub for free. So there are lots of free options where you don't have to pay anything. Okay, all right. How do you, how do you promote yourself? Do you actually have a business card or you just do it through LinkedIn? How do, how do you actually get people to go to your site when you, when you need them to? You know, that's a very difficult question to answer. Because okay. there's so many, there's so many right answers. Right. So I, I think that LinkedIn is one of the most powerful tools out there. The algorithm that they use gets your, um, all of your posts to get a lot of views, uh, just with some engagement. And if you get lots of engagement, then your post can, can blow up. 
Right. And right. if you are a small business owner, if you're doing, if you're providing these services for people, then that, that goes so far. So if you want people to actually get on your site as a student, I'd say posting on LinkedIn could take you really far, mm -hmm. but you could also just go to a, uh, on your resume, just add your site right there, juliomaldonado.com, anything.com. And uh, if you give it to somebody, I'm sure that a recruiter will get to see it. Awesome. So as long as it's short and easy and simple to actually write in your resume, it should be accessible to anybody. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that adds a lot of value. Some students probably never really thought about this. And I think that investing $10 a year in your own personal website with your name.com, that is amazing. That's really cool. That serves a great purpose. And it shows that you have some sort of online portfolio, basically, to showcase on top of your resume. Um, Absolutely. I do want to ask you a couple of questions about... Um, you you've actually mentioned DACA and you mentioned your legal status. At what age did you actually become a DACA recipient? Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's an executive order passed by Obama, I think back in 2011 or 2012. Don't quote me on that. Okay. That allows people under a certain age who came to this country uh, without proper documentation to work and drive legally in the U.S. with a social security number only for uh, work purposes. Okay. And so there are about 800,000 DACA recipients. I got mine when I was uh, 16, as soon as I turned 16, which let me start working at a Little Caesars as a dishwasher, a job I'm very thankful for. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So with that, with that DACA, did you, were you one of the first waves? As soon as they opened it up, did you actually apply for it? Can you walk us through what happened at that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was one of, I think I was the second or third wave because they had this one mishap happen actually. So DACA, it, it's a renewable, uh, it's renewable. So once you apply to it, you don't get to just keep it forever. Okay. You have to reapply. There's a $495 processing fee. Right. And then if you go to a lawyer, then they'll also charge their fee, which I've been going to a lawyer just to make sure that nothing goes wrong. Understood. Well, the actual uh, process is it's pretty complicated but once you get it then you can uh legally work here and it's it's pretty much the only reason that i was even able to go to college or uh, you know work here at quatrix okay so with daca you're actually entitled to receive some sort of financial aid if you qualify is that correct or, or no it is not correct no it is not. so okay. Texas or some states let you pay uh, in-state tuition if you have if you meet X requirements. For Texas, I believe you had to have graduated from a high school, a Texas high school, okay. and you had to have been living in Texas for I think two or three years. Regardless so, of the of your legal status in the country, correct? That's right. Okay. All right. So, so now with DACA, you lived in the state of Texas. 
you went to a high school in Texas, you actually applied to Texas A&M, got accepted to Texas A&M, and went to Texas A&M. Uh, how did you make ends meet with the cost of going to Texas A&M? Yeah, well, so I just remembered you know, the, your last question you asked about the two-year application fee for DACA. Right. So for that, there was one year where they had three, instead of two years of DACA status, we got to hold onto it for three years. Okay. And so that just kind of shows I've had DACA pretty much since it was in, introduced way back when. Okay. Okay. As for managing the actual fees of, you know, going to college and uh, the whole DACA renewal, I was working three jobs throughout most of my time at Texas A&M on top of, you know, changing my major three different times and uh, being a student senator for Texas A&M. So, so you, you actually were doing some additional volunteer work within the, the university, correct? Yeah, I think okay. it's important to to try to do as much as you can, mm -hmm. and thankfully for me, it, it worked out. Okay, awesome. but it's it's a very hard, very 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 hard thing to to keep up. Okay, what what uh, what do you think from your experience? What, what would you say the hardest part of being in your situation is? I mean, there's yeah. a lot that you can say, but one one thing that you consider being very difficult the hardest part about being a DAC recipient is is not knowing that your effort will be worth it because right now DACA is 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 in the supreme court right. and so probably by june or so they'll have a decision on whether the termination of DACA was was legal or not and if they decide that it was not legal um then we'll get to keep DACA. But if they decide that it was legal to terminate DACA, then they probably will. And if they terminate DACA, then I don't know what happens to my 401k, to my credit score, because I just got a secured credit card. I've never had a credit card before mm. um, last month. And my college degree, I don't know how far it'll go if I had to move back to Mexico or, you know, this was on my mind throughout college because right. they did terminate DACA uh, my junior year. And then a, a, a judge in California ruled that it was uh, not legal. And so they reinstated it. So pretty much throughout college, it's, you know, I'm working so hard to eat, to just be able to afford what I have right now, which isn't much. And I don't know if it's going to pay off. And it's completely out of my control. So it's, it's, you would say the biggest or the hardest obstacle is that uncertainty that you're living with day in and day out, correct? For me, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, you mentioned to me earlier in the conversation we had, and this is very difficult because you said that you went to Texas A&M, you managed to graduate after whatever hardship you were going through, three jobs, uh, long nights, all-nighters, exams, whatever it was, you managed to pull through and you're ready to graduate. Obviously, you want your family to be with you, correct? And your parents were not able to 
be there and watch you. Can you yeah. share that with us? Yeah. So for, for me, uh, my parents never got to visit me at Texas A&M. I, I drove up and my parents didn't help me move in. Um, and I, like I had said earlier, if, you, if you're not properly documented, then you can't get out of the Rio Grande Valley because there's a checkpoint um, where they ask you and they verify that, that you are a U.S. citizen. So I had known throughout my time at a and that my parents weren't going to be there. And that was, that was heartbreaking. Thank you for sharing that with us. And but but you actually managed to go ahead and do something as a as a senator. And I don't want to talk about it myself. I want you to tell us what you actually de- did in order for for things to kind of alleviate and change that for a little bit for some individuals. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. So. I became a senator, I think it was my second semester of my junior year, and I I had become a senator because I wanted to learn more. Uh, SGA, Student Government Association at A&M, is is where students can make the most change, and I wanted to see what good change I can do. I wanted to see who I could meet that could help me accomplish accomplish something that would really uh, be impactful for the university. So I was also a peer teacher where I got to meet some of the higher ups in the Department of Computer Science and Engineering. So I had known, and I, it was just always on my mind, my parents aren't going to be there. So how, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do? So I was reaching out both through SGA and through the Department of Computer Science and Engineering to see, can they somehow fly my parents over here? Can maybe we do a graduation ceremony? Um, at the Rio Grande Valley, I, I had tried everything and there right. was there was nothing because A&M also now has a sister branch at McAllen, which is in the Rio Grande Valley, but it's only really a feeder campus where they eventually go to A&M. So mm-hmm. there, there was nothing to be done. But I had approached the assistant department head of computer science and engineering and I had let him know what was happening. And he said, you know, let me talk to Dr. Delma da Silva. Uh, she is uh, Brazilian and she speaks fluent Portuguese. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see what happens. So I eventually ended up getting a, an email from her that was pretty much offering to fly down to the Rio Grande Valley uh, after graduation, a day after graduation, which ended up being on Mother's Day, to come meet my family. And she offered to bring all her regalia and, you know, take some nice photos so that it could be like my parents were, were right there. And Oh, wow. And that's what that's we got incredible. That's incredible. So it was like uh, their own, your own personal graduation ceremony, essentially, correct? Yeah. And, and the thing is that they had to do a lot of, this was a lot of work for, for them because I know for sure that they had to look through my profile and I'm sure that they saw my changes of majors and that I was doing research with uh, one of the professors in the computer science department and that I was a peer teacher. So they knew that I had put in a lot of time and effort and sorry about that. So they, they, they had a background check me, right? Well, not literally, but they had to make sure that 
that it, it was it would be worth it and i am so grateful for them to actually do it but on the other end through uh, sga i had wanted to see if there was anything that i could do for the next generation as well right. for the next generation of families like mine whose parents only speak spanish who they can't be there for whatever reason because one option would have been for my parents to see the live stream but the live stream uh, but they don't have a laptop they you know they don't have good internet we don't have internet access at home so how are they going to see the live stream and if they do watch the live stream they only know spanish so they're not going to be able to understand it well a&m they sell a, a cd with a graduation ceremony but once again it's in english so it it wouldn't have the same value so i had one good friend adol kunter who I might be saying his name wrong, his last name wrong. Well, I reached out to him because he was the diversity chair and I knew that he had a lot of contacts, a lot of, you know, maybe we can make something happen. And so we had reached out to the people who put on the video, who make the video, and we couldn't really find the right person to talk to. But he had a meeting with the president of Texas A&M, Michael K. Young, uh, the following week. And so at their meeting, he brought this up and pretty much five minutes after the meeting, we get an email from the right person letting us know that, hey, let's set up a meeting to talk about this. That's, that's just kind of crazy. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, it just goes to show you that it's not what you know, or it's who you know, for the most part. And it just, you know, that, that being able to know somebody there that can make things happen in a flash. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. So those connections do really help you out. So in a sense, Absolutely. and I've been saying, I've been telling the audience, you know, in different episodes, networking is essential. You, you guys, the students sure. and professionals is not necessarily all, you know, um, obviously we, we have to know something and we, we definitely have to be knowledgeable, but we also have to connect and be, in the know of people who know us as well and know our values for in this example this uh university entity texas a&m had to do a profile check a profile check essentially in uh into julio maldonado to figure out if they if if indeed he was a, a worthwhile student in order for them to do this and then on top of it he's a senator he volunteers he's done a lot of great things for them and so they ended up saying yes. And then on top of it, he goes to the he goes to the dean and he tells them, hey, you know, let's go ahead and do this CD with uh, subtitles in Spanish and let's have it happen. And they sent an email and it, it does it does happen. So that's amazing. Thank you so Absolutely. much for sharing that with us. Um, quick questions for you. Uh, I know that that you you work at Quadrics and you've been there from our conversations you've told me about seven months and you hope to stay there but that uncertainty is something that still hangs over your head but um is there any advice that you can share with any individuals that are either DACA recipients or non-DACA recipients and they're questioning whether to pursue education or not what would you say and what would you share with them I think that education is one of the most powerful 
ways to to get where you want to be and i i have known people who've become quote unquote successful without education but right i think i've known a lot more people who became successful with an education mm-hmm. and so some people who really really want that opportunity i think you got to do whatever it takes to actually get there uh, but if you're kind of on the fence maybe you're thinking college isn't for you that's completely okay but i think trying it out for a year get tr- doing everything you can to try it out for a year i think that'll go a really long way and you know maybe you realize it is for you maybe you realize it isn't but at least you tried at least you got there and there are so many resources even for daca recipients correct that is correct that is correct um I want to ask you a couple more questions that are not on the educational level. Uh, They're more on your personal self. What kind of hobbies do you have yourself to de-stress of all these things that you, that you're going through and obstacles that you've encountered? I like, so earlier I had said that I started off as a kinesiology major. That was because I like working out. So to this day, I still, like working out at 6.30 a.m., I'll go into the gym. And right afterwards, at about 8 a.m., I'll go to work because we it, it's in the same building pretty much. And I, I like to skateboard and snowboard. I'll, I'll be going snowboarding tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. That's great. Um, do, you, do, you, do you read? I code a lot on my free time. So you so, like coding. So what kind of coding projects do you do that stand out in your mind right away? Yeah. So right now I can tell you the latest project I'm working on because I, I'm in a, a lot of uh, DACA Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of people are always asking who owns a business. Um, DACA recipients just really want to support each other, support each other's businesses and learn from each other. Right. So I'm working on a a platform to hold all that information of uh, DACA-owned businesses so that other DACA recipients could go in and easily see and support each other. Okay, okay, fantastic. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, Let's say if you had a time machine and you could actually go back to that 10-year-old Julio, uh, what would you say to him? three pieces of advice that you could share with them if you only had about two minutes? I think the first thing I would say is that it will be worth it. All the effort will pay off. Okay. Uh, the second thing would be to always take care of my parents just because, you know, they've done everything for me and they're awesome. awesome. And the third thing would be that No matter how difficult it gets, you just have to keep on pushing and find the right people to to help elevate you. I think finding the right people is so, so important. Just like you were saying, networking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, what is your definition of, of success at this point in your life? It, it, it definitely will change in the future. 
and it probably was a little different a couple of years back, but right now, what would you consider the definition of success from your own personal experience? That's a very intriguing question because I've achieved a lot of the things that I've wanted. So when I was in high school, I wanted to go to college. I didn't know if there was a way I even could. Yeah. At college, I wanted my parents to see me graduate and I wanted to get a full-time job. And now that I'm here, I feel like I've, I've really become successful. Um, but I also know that it's, it's so short term because I, I have so many other goals that I want to achieve. So I, I'd say you've got to celebrate all of the little successes, but you got to keep on making new ones. Right. Okay. So you got to celebrate all the little successes, but you got to continue making new ones. That's amazing. Striving forward. And that's what actually success innovation, the podcast, the audio, the videos, the interviews, the live workshops, the live sessions that I do are geared for to actually continue striving forward. And I thank you. Thank you, Julio Maldonado for this wonderful interview. Thank you so much for being accessible to me. I am sure this will not be the last time that we actually collaborate or that we talk or that we meet and cross paths. We will definitely continue to uh, bring value to other individuals. And, you know, if anybody wants to connect with you, is that okay? Can they reach out to you via LinkedIn? Is, is, is that something that's okay with you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook is where I'm pretty active and I don't mind getting messages and trying to help out anybody, uh, whether DACA recipients or international students, uh, feel free to reach out. You can just search up Julio Maldonado. Okay, all right. Thank you so much to the listeners and to the viewers of Success Innovation. I appreciate you listening to one more episode of Success Innovation. And I want to say thank you one last time, one more time to Julio Maldonado for his time. Uh, we'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching another wonderful episode of Success Innovation. I hope this episode was of use and beneficial for you. And if it was, please refer and have another person benefit from the content and the value here. If you want to connect with Julio Maldonado, please look at the notes description below to see his LinkedIn and how to connect with him. Once again, this is Lazaro Herrera from Success Innovation. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.